The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are... We have achieved an NHL draft. NHL free agency is here. Uh, Some teams have actually participated in free agency. (laughs) Some teams have looked at it as as an opportunity to... uh, well, scratch their rear ends. Yeah. And, some teams um, are moving forward, some teams are moving backwards, and some teams don't know that there's a difference between the two. Wow, that's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> wow, that's a very polite, PC... Um, Let's just put it yeah. this way. I, I I said to you just before we started recording that... I was very tempted to heart hunt down Charlie Jacobs and give him my application to be general manager of the Boston Bruins. Um, well, certainly you, I, my neighbor's dog. And before that, we were talking about some of the reasons why. Um, we identified drafting as an issue. Um, going back to Sweeney's first draft, that 2015 draft where he for reasons explainable only to himself, apparently, uh, took three picks in a row, one of whom has been pretty good. I mean, Jake DeBrusque. I'm assuming he's going to get paid. He's an RFA. We hope. Jake DeBrusque has more goals and as many points in the same number of uh, regular season games, uh, 212, I believe is the number, uh, as uh, Tyler Sagan did in that time. You can't argue with that. He's been good. Brandon Carlo, same draft. Still consider him more valuable than the other free agent uh, RFA defenseman who they had to resign last fall. You know, five or six eons ago before that somehow dragged into training camp. Completely, completely out of the blue. Does Brandon Carlo suddenly become your number one defenseman? I... There's no argument I don't think, here, but I don't think that you will get very many people to say that, but it's really hard to make strong arguments against it, okay. given given how well he plays and how consistently. Okay. Um, Anybody who's going to turn around and try and tell me that Charlie McAvoy is the number one defenseman on this team. Uh, we mentioned street pharmaceuticals prior to the show. Yes, they, yes, we did. They may be involved if you think that Charlie McAvoy is the number one defenseman on this team. He may get paid as the number one defenseman, and he does currently because uh, – Sweeney. Back to Sweeney. Royally screwing things up. Uh, for those we of know. you who haven't heard, yes, Tory Krug has signed elsewhere for effectively one year more – for one year more – and similar money to what he would have been paid uh, or what he was offered here, uh, which is worrisome because there are other players who need to be signed this year and next year. And uh, I'm not impressed with Sweeney's track record so far. Um, okay, I mentioned something hilarious and amazing uh, just before the show. 
okay. uh, to Chris, and I'm going to show it to him now. So just as I was getting logged on, um, and I will let a teeny tiny not secret out of the bag for those of you listening, uh, the Twitter account, the Don Sweeney, is not actually Don Sweeney. Shocking. Uh, shocking to many, many people. I know. I understand. I apologize for breaking your brains. Um, gentleman tweeted that uh, there's a trade rumor that the Boston Bruins would be acquiring. Are you are you laughing already? You're laughing already. I'm trying. With your hands I, I try to... in your mouth. I try to do this with a straight face. I really do. Go ahead. Boston Bruins would be acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury with, uh, w- with the Vegas Knights retaining three and a half million of the salary. Alex Marti- or Alec Martinez and Max Pacioretty. I personally really, really don't like patches, so I would have to veto this trade from the word go. But, okay, on the other side, the Boston Bruins would be giving up Yaroslav Halak, mm-hmm. Andre Kasha, Erho Vakanainen, the incredible John Moore, and a fourth-round draft pick in the 2021 draft, uh-huh. plus, plus the Bruins would be buying out David Krejci, uh, and saving or, uh, so yeah, the person who tweeted, who tweeted this, uh, and mentioned the Don Sweeney and, uh, NHL trade rumors. Um, I should have known it was going to be good when you mentioned both the Don Sweeney and NHL trade rumors in the same tweet. Mm hmm. Because, yes, the Don Sweeney, I'm pretty sure, not quite NHL general manager uh, Don Sweeney, although probably as good at the job, he'd probably be as good at the job. Uh, It clearly states that it is a parody account, or is it? But I'm pretty sure that. The real Don Sweeney would not doesn't have the comedic chops to think of something like that. For one thing, yeah. Um, uh, So yeah, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that it's a parody account. Okay, on to this deal. Uh, I cannot, for any reason, imagine them trading Erho Vakaninen, even if they were to give up Halak. Okay, I was starting with why are they giving up Halak? Because, first of all, Vegas just inked Leonard to a five-year, mm-hmm. what was it, $25 million deal? Clearly yeah, going to be the number five. one. Um, Halak there is clearly going to be a number two. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be enlisting his services for any more than 25, 28 games. I'm guessing that DeBoer is going to ride 
Robin Leonard, like yeah. uh, the pro- proverbial rented mule. Uh, you just got Kasha for a first round pick. Yes, we got rid of Bax's contract. I get that. We talking. Mm-hmm. But it just cost you your first round pick in this draft. Granted, you would have been drafting 23rd. Uh, you might have had a shot at a Tyler Clevin or something like that. But, yeah, Vakaninen, you still don't know what you've got getting rid of John Moore. You're probably hanging on to him for the Seattle draft. And, and a pick for Marc-Andre Fleury, who wants to be a number one and is going to come in here and back up to Karask. Yeah, that could, seems unlikely. I don't know that he's going to steal Tuka's job. I, I don't know if Cassidy is even going to give him the chance. And neither one of those guys is all that young. You're actually getting older if memory serves. Uh, I want to say Yarrow and Fleury are close to the same age. Uh, well, Marc-Andre Fleury was drafted in 2001. Um, I forget. Uh, so he's out in... Marc-Andre Fleury is 35. Yaroslav Halak was... Yaroslav, he is also 35. He was drafted... Oh, look at that. He was a ninth-round pick in, you know, a little draft that was done in 2003. Yeah, I thought I had I thought he was actually drafted later, but I didn't realize they were actually the same age. He was drafted in a little, you know, unknown it, draft. It was it was an okay draft, you know. That there were a couple good players taken. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. all the way to the ninth round. Nothing spectacular about a draft where, you know, 20% will end up in their team's rafters and or the Hockey Hall of Fame. I just, this is awful. And patches. No. No. Patches. No. Patches is 31 years old. Uh... And that... And that's before you even get to buying out David Krejci on the last year of his deal. Okay, yeah, and that and because let's so face many... it, David Krejci actually looked like a real NHL player last year. Uh, who was your best player in the farce that was known as the 2020 playoffs? Uh, Charlie Coyle. Yeah. Okay, who's in the top three? Uh, it's probably at least for forwards. It's probably him, uh, Krejci, and I think Marchand. Yep, that would be my top three. Because I don't know if I'd have the same order, but David Krejci. I, I, I please note I did not put them in order, other than saying that Coyle I think was the best. David Krejci had twelve points in thirteen games uh, on a team that. Uh, stank on ice, both literally and almost certainly figuratively. They were terrible. When you can be a point per game on a god-awful team in the playoffs, you're doing something. uh, You're doing something. David Krejci has played a total of 145 games in his NHL, playoff games in his NHL career. 
he has 115 points. Yep. 40 goals and 75 assists. Yeah. Um, that's a guy who comes to play, at least in the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, the year they won the Stanley Cup, uh, 25 games, 23 points, 12 goals, 11 assists. Yeah. He, 2013, uh, their second attempt at, at a Stanley Cup against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, 22 games played, 26 points. Yes. Yeah, we're buying him out. We're buying him out a year after he goes just under a point per game um, and against heavy competition, too. Are, I'm trying to do this with a straight face. It's not working. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm too flabbergasted, and I had more time to process it than you have. And I'm too flabbergasted to figure out. There's not even a way to make this trade work. It's not like I say, well, if we do this, no, it's just no. <laughs> if we take this, if we take all of the note paper and the laptops and cell phones that this was created on and add gasoline, light a match and then step back, then then we're on the path to repairing this trade. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> That's about right because there's nothing, there's nothing to like about this. This literally nothing actual, redeemable. No. Uh, actually, I could think of one thing. Getting rid of John Moore. Wow, we do think alike. <laughs> and and you know what? I, I as much as I don't want to actually say it, the rest of this trade doesn't even make that look better. Agreed. Because that looks like, you know, I, I don't know. I just can't. Just no. I mean, that's uh, getting rid of John Moore in that trade is like uh, taking your car uh, is, is like the equivalent of having a car accident that completely uh, destroys your transmission, um, blows out two tires and snaps an axle. But at least you don't have to worry about the interior smelling anymore. <laughs> That's getting rid of John Moore in that trade. I, uh, yes. Alec, Marti- Alec Martinez, you know, he's a he's a he's a he's fan a favorite. Defenseman. He's a fan favorite. He's a cult hero in L.A. Uh, hasn't been in Vegas long enough to really. He's played ten regular season games and twenty playoff season, twenty playoff games for the Golden Knights. And amazingly enough, he has the same exact number of points. I mean, it's the same exact numbers across the board: ten games regular season, two and six for eight points, almost a point per game in the rate. Twenty playoff games for Vegas, two and six. Now, I'm not saying that as a defenseman, he needs to be a number one scorer, but he's 33 years old. And you're I, I'm desperately seeking ways to make this even remotely. 
No, there are none, and we have so much else to talk about. Yes, we but do. I just, I, I just wanted to hear you try and make this make sense, but it's not possible. There is no way to make this make sense. Now, uh, we started the show by me saying that I was going to uh, track down Mr. Jacobs and put in my application to be general manager of the Boston Bruins. Well, yes, that you- is because – go ahead. I was just going to say, when you lose a guy who's played 523 games for your team, and he's, what, 29? Yep. Uh, and you can't manage to find a way to re-sign him? You can't manage to re-sign him. You have the opportunity to bring in a useful replacement in Oliver ekman Larson, who has publicly stated that he's narrowed the choices down to your team and a team that's not nearly as good on the other side of the country. And you have until a certain day to do it. That was Oliver Ekman Larson. He stated he was going to stay in uh, Phoenix uh, if he was not uh, traded by Friday. He has not been traded. You had that opportunity. He's not going to be because Friday has come and gone. Um, you, you and I knew by the all-star break that Tory Krug wasn't coming back. Yes. So either Don Sweeney didn't know or Don Sweeney didn't care, didn't care. And how do you, and how do you not know? If he genuinely believes that there is someone in the system who can, uh, in the Bruin system, who can start producing in the top 10 in points uh, for a defenseman in the place of Tory Krug, I don't know who that person is. As much as I like a lot of the players in the system, uh, even some of the ones he drafted, I don't see this person here. I really, really like Matt Grizzlick. He is a great puck handler. He is a great skater. He makes really, really smart decisions. And he does the most effective time and energy thing to remove the puck from the defensive zone and the high danger areas and get it moving in the other direction. It's like there's not even a ripple. He is a electric eel swimming across the ice, tapping the puck. And he's gone before anyone else knows he was there. You don't see him get even get hit very often, not because he's the fastest skater on the ice, um, but because he, the opposition doesn't have time to know he's there. The puck is already gone before they can hit him. Yeah. But it's not him. Uh, I think we can agree that it's probably not uh, going to be Brandon Carlo. Like it's not, that's not Brandon Carlo's game. Never has been and doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. Um, should uh, we can go ahead and agree that it's probably not uh, Brandon Kusak? <laughs> Bukak, sorry. Daniel Bukic? Bukic, sorry, yes. Uh, I believe he was a seventh round pick. Not that okay. that should have any effect on it, but um, okay. yeah, I, 
I don't think Daniel Bukic is going to be stepping in here. If you look at non-roster defense, you've got Jack Akan, who I believe they just signed as a uh, after the end of his college career. Uh, not happening, I don't believe. Um, oh, Jakob Zaboro? Nope. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Victor Berglund. It's going to be Victor Berglund, isn't it? I mean, they drafted him back in 2017. I mean, he's got a career high of 10 goals while playing for Moto Hockey uh, back in 1718. Um, and actually, he matched that in in the last two seasons. Yeah, he's matched that. Yeah, 52 games, 22 points, 10 goals, 12 assists. Uh, however, I don't see he has a whopping four games in Providence, so his experience in North American hockey is, I'm going to go with non-existent, although in his four games with Providence, he does have two points. Which is which is nice, but hardly, hardly indicative. Relatively small sample size. By the way, when okay. I look over in the playoff column, not seeing a whole lot of points in the playoff column. Uh, Erho back in nine, and we mentioned him in that marvelous trade suggestion slash rumor slash... Uh, opium dream. Um, he managed to get into five NHL games, uh, this year, two NHL games last year. Uh, he has, uh, 0.0 points. It's him. Oh, okay. I, I guess we can scrap this uh, discussion and move on to the next. Um, you mentioned <laughs> Steven Camper. I mean, <laughs> You know, what it, on, you know what it is? <laughs> the guy they're going to rely on for the next seven to eight years uh, to be that offensive, highly productive defenseman, uh, that key contributor to the power play and five on five offense, it's going to be Zidane Chara. Because at 43, I, you, me, and everyone else can project him honestly contributing at that level for I'm the next seven to eight years. There. I'm going to have to stop you there. There's Why? one problem. They haven't managed to sign Zdeno Chara either. Wait, they haven't managed to sign the guy who has been captain of the team for more than a thousand games, who helped bring a Stanley Cup drought to an end and brought them to the precipice of another Stanley Cup two more times, who wants to sign for short money? They haven't? Uh, as uh, to the, to to my knowledge, and I am not necessarily a hockey insider, he is still unsigned. Are Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Would you like me to look it up? Hold on a second. Uh, I I guess we can go with you being sure. You mentioned Jack Akan. Uh, actually, his college numbers, if they could, if he if his college numbers could bear out to the NHL, he actually seems to be an offensive defenseman and could. But then again, we're talking college versus professional. And, and we're not time, necessarily talking about the top uh, one of the top divisions in hockey. I mean, his time with the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders of the USHL. 56 games, he had 44 points, 14 goals in that time, which is even more impressive. But I mean, is it possible? I mean, is he a possibility? I'm willing to see him try. You know what? 
we're going to have a, legitimately we're have a almost exactly team. the stats of of uh, of Tory Krug. I mean, he's listed at five eight, listed one hundred and eighty five pounds. Both of them were undrafted and twenty two or twenty three years old at the time they came to the team. He's a left defenseman. He's a little on the small side. Uh, oh wait, so is Tory Krug. He may actually be an inch or two shorter than Tory Krug, but well, I <clears throat> I don't believe Tory Krug was actually quite five foot eight. <laughs> Just a hunch, having met him. <laughs> I mean, yes. having I'm seen I'm five foot ten and a little bit of change. I met him standing up. Um, he was standing up. We weren't we weren't that close in height. Let's. I, I say we give this kid at least an opportunity. You know, we. That's why we have development camps. That's why we have training camp. Let's give this kid an opportunity. Let's see what he can do. Because it looks like he's some kind of an offensive defenseman, and it makes sense due to his size. He's not going to be big, physical, burly. Uh, Speaking of big, physical, and burly, ooh, maybe it'll be like Nick Wolf. Mm, no. You're sure. I mean, he's right now he's playing over in the Slovak Extra Liga. Uh, he's got a goal or game going over there. Really? Yep. In in the European League where he's played one game and has one goal. It's a goal a game. <laughs> <laughs> Again, straight face. <laughs> uh, four years in Minnesota Duluth. He's got some points. Uh, I would not call him offensively minded compared to uh, Jack Ocken after his four years at St. Cloud State. Again, this is why you have camps because this is what they're going to have to rely on. You did, you, you, unless you're going to surprise the world and bring in Petrangelo, which, from what I've read, because he's a he's right likely. shot, because he's a right shot defenseman, Sweeney doesn't seem all that interested. Mm. Okay. Here, in a Norris Trophy, and granted, I get it. Okay, he's a right shot defenseman, but he's a Norris Trophy caliber. Has he actually won one? I don't think so. I thought he but, did, but it doesn't matter. I mean, we've said many times that uh, yeah, he should be in the conversation. Ah, uh, I mean, at least pretend like you're interested. I mean, this guy is top ten defenseman in the NHL. If, yeah, if you're making a list with him outside your top 10, um, your definition of defenseman needs a little tiny bit of work, much like the in- trade proposal that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Or if your top 10 list includes anybody by the name of Brent Burns. Sorry, mine doesn't, but that's just me. Stop paying attention to actual hockey. <laughs> just go by the stats. <laughs> no, that's the problem with the Norris Trophy. Well, they did hand it to Roman Yossi this year, so who is equal parts offensive and defensive, and I like it. I like it when they gave it to Hedman, equal parts offensive and defensive. When they handed it to Brent Burns, I nearly threw up. I thought they made a mockery of the award. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. Guy the two of us have been watching since he was drafted, possibly before, uh, local-ish. 
Um, played played in Providence, uh, straight out of Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, Wiley Sherman. Defensive defenseman, not gonna fill, not gonna fill Krug's shoes. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure, having seen Wally play, and and I mean Wiley play, and seeing his numbers Wait, at just Harvard. Just because he's played 74 um, AHL games and has a total of two goals, you don't think that he can jump to the NHL level? and replace a top 10 uh, points producer for a uh, defenseman. Mm. That's crazy talk. <laughs> That's crazy talk. What was I thinking? I, I don't know, but you know, you should probably lay down until that inclination goes away. Okay. I mean, is it even as a far chance, as, is it even a chance that he's going to make the Bruins at all? Um, I I think that if Sherman makes the Bruins, it's because they've moved several people, or there's been multiple there were multiple injuries or opt outs at the start of the season. I wonder if he'll even get a look this year. Uh he'll be well. He'll he should he should be invited to the opening of regular camp. Yes. After that. Uh, you know, he might get two sessions uh, before they cut everyone for Providence. Uh, and we've already been told that the AHL is going to is not going to start their season until the NHL does. Um, NHL is looking at January 1st. So I'm guessing they're going to open the season with the Winter Classic. If they do a Winter Classic this year, yes, it would be that that I think would be a nice event to kick it off. Um, I don't. I don't see them. I, I, unless things change drastically, I don't see them doing one. Only because I don't see them doing a winter classic with nobody in the stands. Well, uh, yes and no. If you could do a winter classic and with no fans, I would do it someplace at like some spectacular neutral site. Do it overlooking um, Niagara Falls. Do it. Uh, out in the middle of do it out in the middle of um, Yellowstone or right under the might right under Mount Rushmore or some something interesting. Well, I mean, typically they have it at college stadiums. Yes, but if you're really just doing the players. Yeah, you can't. Players, That's, coaches, and you know the support cl- uh, support group. You can roll in at half. A, uh, you you can roll a couple of dozen um, uh, RVs in there if you want to, or something like that for the for two days. I get what you're saying, and it makes sense. If you're going to have it and not have fans, then you got to have some kind of backdrop, something. Have it someplace where you wouldn't expect to have fans. Having it in a stadium, regardless of whether it's Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park, Notre Dame Stadium, Big House, Ohio State, whatever. And having all those empty seats behind the camera doesn't make sense. It would be depressing. Yes. So someplace interesting, you could possibly do it. 
is some of those studio lots out in Hollywood that aren't being used because, well, there's just not anything going on. You could have it in, you know, blown up uh, New York after after from one of the uh, action movies or something like that. Or heck, if it's still standing, you could use some of the uh, some of the big sets from like Jupiter Ascending or something like that. Um, and just make it a little bit surreal. I think they're back to filming. I mean, the, it, the, the networks are all saying that their regular TV shows are coming back. So I think huh. they are doing filming. I don't know how much filming, but I got to believe somebody's filming something. If they're bringing regular TV back, they're not bringing reruns back. Uh, actually, they're all going to be animated and the characters are going to... Uh, <laughs> Characters are actually going to voice their uh, their own uh, characters. Oh, okay. That's yep. actually not a bad idea if they can find somebody to draw that quickly. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna animate like the early um, the early South Park episodes. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, that would work. We got to have some place to go from here, right? <laughs> we we definitely have some place to go from here because uh, South gonna, Park is close to everywhere. We're going to talk about like. Let's talk about one. some of the actual moves that were made. Don who's Sweeney hasn't been. Ha, Don Sweeney hasn't just let players go. He's mm-hmm. also signed a player that uh, is marginally useful in Craig Smith. I, I like Craig Smith. I do. Always have. But my is he my the solution. My first number, yeah, my first thing with this is if signing Craig Smith is your claim to fame this offseason, hack your desk. Fail? Hack your desk. Hack your desk? Are we getting rid of everybody? I mean, is Sweeney gone? Is Neely gone? Uh, You, You almost have to do a clean sweep. Like legitimately get rid of the scouting staff because I'm not convinced that they're doing a great job. Uh, you have to get if you're getting rid of Sweeney. That's two general manager. Well, no, I, I mean Pete uh, Chiapet was uh, in place before Sweeney. Maybe you let maybe you let Neely um, pick his next general manager, and you tell him this has to be good. you've got a short leash, you know, three years to tweak it and uh, get it, get it to be useful. But you may honestly just want to go with a clean, with, you know, new broom. Uh, From all accounts and everything that I can Everything that I can find or not find, mm-hmm. John Chaka is still available. Yeah, is John Chaka going to want to come in and have to answer to, to Neely? No, but you said they're going to have to clean house. If they clean house, Chaka can come in and. Uh, by the way, John Chaka is younger than like younger half. than several Bruins, he, several he, skaters. He's a whopping 31 years old. So and you're saying Bergeron, Krejci, Halak, Chara, uh, and two or three others, I think, are older than him. 
what he was able to do in Arizona. Uh, I at pretty least, impressive because I at was, least interview the guy. He it, may it not want the job, but I at least interview him. <laughs> um, so Craig Smith, he's had up years, he's had down years, but uh, his next couple of years are Boston years. But his biggest problem is playoffs. We've talked yeah, about this. He's not regular a season playoff player. Regular season, and this year only had 18 goals, but would have. I'm pretty sure he would have made it to 20, but he's had 20 goal seasons five of the last seven years. His offense in the regular season is not my concern, especially since he's not a top-lying forward, so I'm not relying on him in that sense. But we're talking about depth scoring, somebody other than uh, DeBrusque, or Coy- I mean, this is a guy you can put on Coyle's wing and. And I think on- that's where they're gonna. I think that's where they're gonna put him. Um, I mean, but that's you, my still, you still need. I, I guess I making a splash for a splash's sake is not necessarily the answer, but signing a third bo- line thirty-one-year-old winger is not a splash. No, but I'm saying, and do you go after a Taylor Hall? I mean, Taylor Hall is still out there. Can at he, this point, where do you put him? You're gonna have to move uh, someone else at this point. Because at this point, you have on the left wing side, you have they have no interest in re-signing Joachim Nordstrom, who plays fourth line. But let's Agreed. just let's just go down the two sides. On the left wing side, you have Brad Marsh, and he's not moving off of Bergeron's line as long as the two of them are still here. You have Jake DeBrusque, who theoretically will be re-signed. He's, not, he's a restricted free agent, no arbitration rights. That's your first two lines. Theoretically, you could sign uh, – I mean, that it gets murkier on the left-hand side, but correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor Hall has played more on the right lately. Um, so on the right-wing side, you have Pasternak. I don't see that changing. He's going to be in the top two. Um, you have Andre Kasha and you have uh, you have Craig Smith. You also have Anders Bjork jockeying for uh, that spot. And maybe just maybe if you're pushing, if you if you really need to push the youth. I thought Bjork was. Uh, is he still around? Who am I thinking of? They did make a trade. Um, oh, oh, Denton Heinen. Yeah, Denton Heinen. But they they did also make a trade since I thought they had made a trade since the draft. But uh, I could be no, wrong. Bjork, Bjork's still around. I just I I for some reason I get him and Heinen confused. I don't know why. They're nothing alike. <sighs> but somehow I seem to lump them in. Maybe it's because both of them I expect more offensively and neither one of them seems to produce. Uh, But Anders Bjork can play both wings. Uh, He's going to contend. If you bring in a Taylor Hall, you have to 
Taylor Hall is not going to be a fourth line guy, so you're going to have to move no. him at least second, if not at least third, if not second. And I don't see a I don't see a point in signing him and playing him third line minutes. No, unless you're legitimately going to ha- play the top three lines like 14 minutes each, 16 minutes each, and have the fourth line playing you know eight to 12 minutes a night at most. I. Uh, and I'm not sure that even if Coyle can handle 16 minutes a night, and I think he can, um, that you've got someone to put on the other side who is also going to handle 16, 18 minutes a night. So you don't need to spend that money on. No, what I'm saying is you're going to have to move someone if you're going if you manage to sign Taylor Hall. Yeah, well, as you said, top line is top line. And I refuse to call them that other name. I I I only refer to them as the 200 foot line of the Bergeron line. I I cannot stand that p word. Yeah. Second line is Krejci centering DeBrusque and Kasha. I think that's how it's going to shake out, or that's so how it's intended to shake out. Third line is Coyle, Craig Smith, and Anders Bjork. You still got to fill a hole on the fourth line, which clearly, like you said, we aren't going to do with that. Might that could be Oscar Steen's ticket to the NHL, or maybe Carson Coleman? Does Coleman stick around? I mean, I like Carson Coleman. Don't get me wrong, but you still got they got a lot of young, younger players that are going to be contending for one, maybe two spots. Is yep. he, I, I'm guessing then that that means Sweeney is done in free agency, and all we did was sign Craig Smith. Oh wait, no, 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 wait, no. Hey, no, no, no. You have they to re-sign Kevin Miller too. You have to remember they also let Tory Krug go, which was very important. Well, they have to have a place for Kevin Smith to um, Kevin Miller to play uh, for the ten games he'll make it into the in, on to the ice this season. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that one as well. Which, I mean, is, which as much as I like Kevin Miller. You know, he's probably still going to be more effective than John Moore. <laughs> but he's going to take not a spot away from Cliffy Hockey. Um, and I don't want to see that. Cliffy Hockey needs to be playing. I think they finally figured out that uh, as, as the playoffs progressed that Connor Clifton is an asset on the ice. How much fun was he to watch? I mean, in this playoffs, he steps in. They hadn't played him. They finally decide to activate him or pull him off the top row or a top ring yeah. or whatever. And he comes in, scores a goal, throws his body weight around like we expect he's going to because he's not shy. No, definitely not shy. He likes to meet people in the corners. <laughs> Say in the hello. corners, along the boards, open ice. Yeah, he's he's the outgoing type. I he, I want to see him playing, and Kevin Miller is going to take playing time away from him. Well, you have to remember that uh, the savior is probably going to spend twenty games injured this season too. So Kevin Miller will get some time in. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. As long as we're factoring in a minimum or a maximum number of games for, for him to not be on the ice. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I liked Charlie when they drafted him. Okay. 
but he is not Charlie Coyle as Charlie Coyle. The, the person who takes the eyes is a solid hockey player. Solid. Yes. The hagiography that has been written and spoken about him since before he was drafted as a hall of famer is ridiculous, out of place and unfounded. You're going to have to explain to the rest of the hockey world what hagiography is. <laughs> no, they can look it up. Okay, good. That's the word of the day, boys and girls. I'm sorry, just it, it, I liked him. I thought 14 might have been a bit of a reach, but they probably were expecting that he would be gone by the second round. No, it was. And you yes. trade down and you collect another pick like every other team in the league does. All right. You're going to have to write that down and slip the note to Don Sweeney because I don't think he got that memo. He was good at trading up. Because <laughs> he got Zaboral and Seneshin and DeBrusque. I just never see him trade down. Trade Maybe down, pick up another pick. Maybe even another pick in a future draft. Calgary Flames did that two picks in a row this yes. draft. Yes. Because they knew that the guy they wanted was still going to be there. So why not grab an extra pick in the second round or an extra pick in the third round? Or, you know. You and that's what they did. They drafted down twice. They went from 18 down to like 24. Because they went 18 to 22 and then 22 to 24, something like that. And I was just like, okay, they just amassed two extra picks. And I'm guessing that they're still going to get the kid they wanted. Because if they were worried about not getting him, they would have made the pick. Ding, so, ding, ding. bingo. Uh, somebody needs to take notes, go back to school, whatever you got to do. You know, GM 101. Uh, I think that I think at this at this point, uh, given how often it happens, it counts as remedial GMing. Um, <laughs> I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but even most fantasy leagues have the ability to trade down for uh, for additional picks. He could pretend it's fantasy hockey. <laughs> Because I'm reasonably certain that Mason Laurie uh, would have been there at pick like 70. I'm pretty sure he would have been there at pick like 142 or wherever they picked. <laughs> um, and Nobody even knew who this kid was. They didn't have they didn't have footage on him. There were literally people who have been professionally covering the NHL for 10 years. 10 years had nothing on him. Uh, future consideration didn't even have him in their draft guide. Uh, and McKean's, he was well, he was probably another 30 wasn't or 40 he, places wasn't he down. An honorable mention somewhere or honorable men. He was, he, you're right. He was an honorable mention in McKean's. Okay. That's what it was. So he was an honorable mention. Well beyond 200 uh, <laughs> in terms of the rankings for these two guys, for these two systems. Okay, then. So, yes, sometimes reaches work out. 
But then what are we expecting out of – I mean, he, he is your top pick. Axel Anderson, like I, and I said this, and I tweeted it out the minute it happened. Has anybody heard of Axel Anderson? Because nobody has. You know why? Because he never played a day in the NHL, and then we used him in the trade and, and probably his most useful uh, – he was drafted literally two years ago in the 2018 draft. Again, yep. second overall, one pick higher than Mason Lowry, 57th yep. overall. Yep. Not a day in the NHL. We saw him at development camp that year, and neither one of us left there even close to impressed. <laughs> and he was traded before two years after his draft had passed. He was he was moved out as part of the David Backus deal for Andre Kasha on February 21st, uh, which uh, in 2020 is about nine decades ago. Um, am I saying that Axel Anderson is a terrible hockey player who will never amount to anything? No. Am I saying that he was not a good second round pick? Absolutely. And I'm not saying Mason Lowry isn't going to be a good defenseman in the NHL. He's 19 years old. He's played a couple of years in USHL with the Green Bay Gamblers. Which I somehow believe, which I think that uh, at some point Chiapet was uh, affiliated with. Ah. I want to say that he was a part owner of that team at one point. I mean, 37 points in 48 games. Reasonable, but not something anyone should be optimistic about. For a defenseman, reasonable. But again, it is the USHL. Uh, 26 penalty minutes in 48 games. Interesting. I mean, he is six foot four, 200 pounds. I, I, I'm not going to completely throw him out with the bathwater, but at, at the same point in time, he would have been there later. Could yeah? Couldn't we have picked somebody a little bit more relevant with our fifty-eighth, fifty-seventh pick? More importantly, if you knew you weren't going to re-sign Tory Krug, and you had to have known by that point, if you're not a flaming moron, you could have packaged Tory Krug and that pick, and possibly gotten a first-round pick. You could have been drafted yeah. in the first round, maybe as high as like eighteen to fifteen. 18 to 12, maybe. And gotten a better, gotten a better return, possibly even someone who could play in the NHL next year and contribute to your power play. Could you have traded? Not that you like trading within your own division, but could you have traded with, well, you've already done this traded with the Rangers at 19 or not that I want to see Krug in an offense in another team's uniform four times a year, or traded him to Montreal with the 16th pick. They got Kaiden Goulet. Yep. Kaiden Goulet. The Rangers got Braden Schneider. Uh, both very good defensive prospects. Could you have done that? Sure. Oh yeah, maybe you could have even gone after that. Uh elusive right wing that uh, the team has needed for most of 10 years. Um, 
and you sign uh, and you trade for Yegor uh, Chenikov's pick at 21 or the uh, Tyson Forster pick at 23. Um, there's a lot of better things that could have been done. I'm just looking I just, at other defensemen that were taken. Uh, Donovan Sabrango. 6-1-189. A uh, couple of years with the Kitchener Rangers. 18 years old. 30 points in 56 games. The year before that, 26 points in 62 games. If you're going to go that route, you got Topi Nimala got taken. Damon Hunt got taken by Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were other defensemen that were taken after you took Mason Lowry. Again, not completely throwing him out with the bathwater because I haven't seen enough of him. But if he was ranked that low or not at all by multiple ranking sites, multiple scouting sites. Yep. Uh, okay, if only one of them did it, you kind of throw that out as an as an outlier. When they all do it, there's probably something to it. <laughs> and yep. yeah, he probably would have been available in a later round. Um, moving out West for a little bit. Ooh, I like West. Um, can you say, uh, can we all hope, uh, for a, pl- a certain player's sake and maybe for the organization that the third time is the charm? It it appears that Patrick Marlowe is close to resigning with the San Jose Sharks for his his third stint um, on what rumor has is a one year deal. I'm thinking that this is a I'm thinking this is a swan song thing. Play play his final year, retire as a shark, drafted by the Sharks. I don't. Yeah, I. He's what forty one. He's the second oldest player in the league, if I if memory serves. Yeah. Behind Chara. Yeah. I'm thinking that yeah he he's not going to give you huge minutes. Uh, maybe second power play unit. Going to be a twelve minute if twelve minute night guy fourteen. Uh, 41 years old, uh, he will, or he just turned 41, uh, two weeks ago. Um, he had 11 goals in 66 games, uh, this season, but split between San Jose and Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, no playoff goals either this year, this postseason or last postseason, uh, across the total 11 games. Like I said, I'm not thinking this is anything more than this is uh, not this is not a long term solution, but I'm just thinking it's an opportunity for him to 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 say goodbye to the fans in a city where he played the bulk of his career. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, if he's still got some skill, if he's still got some some energy left in those legs and you're going to go out there. I mean, he played 
for Pittsburgh, he played 15. No, he's still playing 15 minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh just wasn't that good last year. Well, yes. Uh, He gave Toronto 15 minutes a night. I mean, it's coming down. So, yeah, he's going to give you somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 minutes a night. I, I... He's still going to – I don't see them playing him third or fourth line, though. That's the only thing is he's going to take up second line center. How many – who do they actually have on the roster, though? A fair point. Uh, well, they did just sign Kevin LeBanc to – but he's a winger. Ooh. And I think at four mil per year, I think they overpaid – just a thought. And, you know, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with that. Uh, coming back to the East and moving South, um, a, something I never expect or did not expect to hear, uh, certainly this soon into his career, um, Tyler Johnson, at least as of right now, of the Tampa Bay Lightning, cleared waivers yesterday. Well, when you're making five mil a year on a team that's quite frankly overloaded with talent, um, there's ju- just financially there's no way to keep everybody. Okay, I have a sense of where you're going here, and I'm going to reflect the question back at you. If you don't have any place to put Hall, where are you going to put Tyler Johnson? <sighs> well, see, Tyler Johnson, I think you can get for a lot cheaper. Um, I, I fully expect that Taylor Hall is going to be a, he's probably going to get six or more. Um, Johnson is currently signed to five, uh, for four more seasons. Um, if you could get, if you could trade him, uh, for picks or prospects or, you know, people that you don't want, um, and get, (laughs) And get um, get Tampa to retain one or two million. Get him at four. Get him at three. I think that's a great trade. And who are you moving off the line? Uh, off the out of the lineup? Are you sudden, are you now giving up on Andrews? Not giving up, but are you now replacing or, Andrews Bjork? If you can, if you think you can, if you think you can win a cup in the next two years. With Krejci and Bergeron and Chara and Marchand, I think it's worth giving up on a prospect or two. If you genuinely think it. Like, hard, cold, look at the analysis. This is going to make us better in the playoffs and better uh, in the regular, and at least even in the regular season. Yes. I don't necessarily want to give up on... Anders Bjork or does he give you more than does he give you more offensively than Anders Bjork? Mm, yes. Yeah. He can play and, and all he gives three you more forward positions. So you and could he gives con- you more defensively too. And you could conceivably play him. Seriously, I mean, I don't know what he's expecting because he's played everywhere from top line to, to not at all. Yeah. I mean, but how do you if you fill out the lines you've got your top line yes second line is i mean do you put him on Krejci's right with uh, DeBrusque on the left do you move DeBrusque down to the third him, line i mean 
no, I think I would actually put him on the right, leave DeBrusque on the left. And, and Kasha down to Coyle's line with uh, yes. with Craig Smith on the left. Because if you can have Tyler Johnson, who is a better skater than Krejci, doing more of the defensive lifting and free up Krejci to make to be in position to make offensive zone passes and make and let lighten DeBrusque's defensive duties a little bit, lighten, Almost not it. remove. Yeah. Um, I think that you have a chance to create um, more offense. What would it do for Tyler Johnson? I'm mean, not Tyler Johnson. What would Tyler Johnson do for Jake DeBrusque's offensive numbers if he's somebody who could actually join DeBrusque on the rush? Because there Krejci is that can't too. keep Krejci can't keep up with him. No, Krejci can't keep up. Like I think on the rush, uh, yes, let them go. Let, uh, like let go of the reins and give them their give them their head. Once you're established in the offensive zone, though. He has much more mobility than David Krejci. That's not that's not a slight on David Krejci. He's never been a super mobile guy. He's not ridiculously agile. Right. Um, it's not his game. No, he's a premier passer. He's and he's got great timing with his passes. He he's one of the he's got to be one of the top ten or fifteen passers in the league in the past. Uh, 10 or 12 years. He's a facilitator, a distributor. That's, that's what I expect most out of him. Goal scoring from Krejci is gravy. Uh, it's gravy and dessert. So yeah, if you were to get a Tyler Johnson, stick him on the right wing and have Krejci centering DeBrusque and Johnson. Plus, I think that would be fun. Plus it gives you transition time. If Krejci, after his contract expires this year, doesn't come back, isn't brought back, you Move have a year. A center spot. You slide him to center, and you have a year for Trent Frederick or one of the other guys to come into the league, get their feet wet in a full season before you have before you need to panic over getting them to be winning faceoffs at a high rate and going face to face with the top or the second line of the, uh, of the opposition. I mean, he's 30 years old. Yes. He's not old. He's not young, but he's not old and but he's reasonably me, healthy to me with the exception of the fact that it's a $5 million per, but to me, the fact that there's term on this, you're not getting him for just the one year. He's not no. the equivalent of a rental. You've got control of him for this season and the next four. I think that that makes him a viable option. Yes. Yes, you're going to have to do some maneuvering, and we're asking Sweeney to maybe step out of his comfort zone. Uh, yeah, because uh, this this would actually be a trade. This is a hockey trade where you need to uh, you need to bring back value. Now, who do I think that they could trade from the roster or near the roster? Uh, we talked about Anders Bjork. Um, I wouldn't necessarily like seeing Chris Wagner go, but if that's the cost, that's the cost. Um, off the roster, 
I don't know that Chris Wagner is going to be the roster player that's going to move the needle. I, I said part of the roster. I, 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 he, he would be him and another player or him and a high and a draft pick, depending on whether you're getting salary retained or not. Um, and I, I almost think Tampa will have to have salary retained. Um, I mean, there's no point in talking about Berglund or Camper being the guy going back unless <laughs> unless Tampa specifically asks for them. Which uh, Camper Camper is literally the perfect seventh defenseman, uh, as far as I can tell. He can go 15 games without playing and still look like a viable. NHL defenseman playing 18 minutes in his first game back. Um, I think his, I think the, I think the fatigue that gets to him is more mental in playing 30 games in a row or 40 games in a row. Okay. But that's a, that's a separate discussion. Um, yeah, maybe so they turn around and I, I don't know what the, they turn around and ask for, Oh goodness! I don't know. They're not going to ask for John Moore. Hey. <laughs> well, hey, maybe they need someone to expose at the at the expansion draft. Well, in in fairness, they did lose Zach Bogosian to Toronto. Hey, uh, Zach Bogosian was actually on the ice for the game for the finals. <clears throat> they did lose Zach Bogosian, so they need somebody to fill that. Nah, he can play sometimes role. <laughs> I'm kidding. They're not going to ask yeah. one. I, I honestly don't. I don't know that. I worry that they have the pieces to get even that deal done. They didn't have the pieces to get. Oh, OE, well, if you ask Sweeney, they didn't have the pieces to get the OEL deal done. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. It's Arizona. They say that Arizona was asking for Brandon Carlo, or at least I heard that name come up. I'm fairly certain Sweeney's smart enough not to move Brandon Carlo. I would, as much as I, as much as I would love to have OEL, I don't think that that trade is a net improvement of the team, especially if you're not going to be able to retain Krug, which clearly they were not. OEL is what a right defenseman. Uh, I can never remember with him. No, can never remember. Is he a left defenseman? Off the top I mean, of my he, head, I just flat out don't remember. But he's, I good, have, he's good enough to play. He's a left both. defenseman, which is, is which is which is the side that both um, Krug and Chara play on. So they need a third left defenseman. Chara is not going to be your top pairing defenseman this season. Probably no. So you could have picked up OEL, slid him in as your top left. Brendan Carlo is a right defenseman. Hmm. OEL and Brendan Carlo on the same on the same pairing. Offensive defenseman, defensive defenseman. Um. Then you put Chara and. Hmm. Who could you put on the right side? That that McAvoy kid again, I guess. Who? But see, Charlie's expecting that he's a top pairing defenseman. Well, he's been told he's the greatest. <laughs> but 
but you're not going to put OEL. If if the deal was done, you weren't going to put OEL together with McAvoy. It doesn't make sense. No, uh, I would put. Yeah, I would uh, for. It would be OEL Carlo. Chara, McAvoy, if you wanted to stick with that, and then your third pairing would be Grizzlick and Connor Clifton? I, actually, I think your second pairing would probably have to be Grizzlick and McAvoy, and your third, Chara and Clifton, Lozon, whoever. Let Cliffy, let Cliffy Hockey learn from Chara? Yeah. Hmm. That, would be a, that would be a good uh, they both like physic. They both like physicality. That, <laughs> that, that is definitely true. And I think I would just tell Chara, look, as long as you're not getting more penalty minutes that, uh, or costly penalty minutes, play as physical as you want. Yeah. We'll play you that seven or so minutes a night. <laughs> he doesn't play as physical as he could. He never has. Um, no, he could, he could be, yeah, he could be a sheer brute force. Speaking of brute force, Brad Gogudis got like a two or three year deal from Florida, but that's another time. <laughs> Hey, Radko Gudis is one of the most important players in the NHL. I'm going to stop you right there because I need to continue with a straight face. <laughs> it would be it would have been interesting if they could have pulled off OEL. And if he couldn't pull off OEL, how is he going to pull off Tyler Johnson? I don't know. I, I don't have confidence in Sweeney. And I've actually seen things where I've actually seen tweets and, and, and things where in Sweeney we trust, and I'm thinking, no. What has Sweeney done? Seriously, what has Sweeney done? Nothing. Show me the trade that put this he's, that moved this team's needle. Show me the signing lot. that moved this. That's a signing, not a trade. That's a, you just you were just gonna say, show me the signing. Yeah, wasn't Halak already here when he took over, or was that one of his deals? I believe I believe Halak was actually a Sweeney deal. Yes, but he let go of Anton Hudobin, who, if they had won the cup, should have won the Smythe. By the way, Anton Hudobin, three years, three and a half per. Good deal for Dallas. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Good deal for Dallas. Three, three and a half per for three years. Yeah. Good. Congratulations to Anton, because I have nothing but respect and happiness for that man. I mean, he's about as honest as they come. His interview on NHL Network, and I've seen it multiple times. He's just he's interview gold. He's talking about what the first thing he did when he got out of the bubble and he wanted to go back to his go back to the patio and have a couple beers. And he's like, no, wait, we didn't do that. We went and bought steaks and we went and got drinks and then went back to the house. We threw the steaks on the grills and I had a shot of vodka. <laughs> I mean, he, he really is. He's a he's a top notch kind of guy. It was tough to see him leave Boston. And I'm glad that he's still had success. I mean, if you look at the save percentages for the last since the two the last season and this past season, so yep. 18, 19, 19, 20, top four save percentages: Ben Bishop number one, nine twenty-seven. Yep. Tied for second are Anton Hudobin at nine twenty-six yep. and Darcy Kemper nine twenty-six, mm-hmm. and then the fourth one was. 
Yeah, I don't remember who the fourth guy was. It was a nine twenty-five. It was a nine twenty-five. Oh, Robin Leonard. Oh, okay. So, uh, three guys that I love, and I'm I'm okay with Ben Bishop. I'm not a huge fan. He gets a little injured. He gets injured a little too much for me. But but the wait, talent a minute, is wait a minute. Wait a minute. There. Wait a minute. Based on salary, which is the most important thing, those guys aren't elite. Uh, well, unlike someone save, who abandoned the bubble. Percentages. Their save percentages suggest otherwise. But shouldn't they be paid like the best ever? You would think in a logical, analytical world that, yes, the guys with the top save percentages would have the top salaries. But Robin Leonard, five mil a year. Anton Hudobin, three and a half. I'm not even sure what I want to say that – I want to say that Darcy Kemper's making what three or four? Darcy Kemper four and a half. Uh, there so you have now it. we're at now we're at three goalies, uh, five and nine. So we got three goalies at like fourteen mil. Ben Bishop is probably the most expensive of the four. Oh, easily. Ben Bishop is getting no. He's actually getting. Four point nine one six, four million nine hundred sixteen thousand six hundred sixty-six dollars. So he's actually slightly cheaper than Robin Leonard. So you're talking the top four goalies percentage, save percentage-wise, make in the top five in make terms twenty of the million salary. dollars a year. <laughs> so you're They're top not, four averaging five mil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, below five mil because I mean. Uh, Dobby's down in just in three and change. Yeah, well, Dobby's three and a half, but Darcy's four and a half. So that's eight. Leonard is five. That's 13. And Bishop's five. That's only 18. You're right. It's below five. Those are your top four save percentage guys in the NHL over the last two seasons. Yeah. Um. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, but you know, Carey Price makes 10 mil. Um, Bobrovsky's making around 10 mil. Um, Tuke is it like seven? Is it seven? Is he making seven or seven and a half? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking that, and have you noticed the trend in, in goaltending recently is everybody's looking for tandems now? Yes, uh, for and this seems to this in the last like twenty years that we've been watching seems to have the pendulum on this seems to swing like every four years. I'm just talking in terms of you know the Bruins have made it work, so now it seems in in this case I I actually see the Bruins as somewhat of a trendsetter. They did it with Hudobin first, and now with although I don't think Hudobin played as many games as Halak has. But seeing what Halak has done for Rask's career in numbers over the last couple of seasons, it seems like uh, other teams are willing to now try it out. Suddenly you've got Bishop Hudobin. Okay, they're going to go into their second or third year together. But I'm seeing other teams doing the same thing. They're not – I mean – they're not going to be expecting. Uh, 
Washington bringing in Henrik Lundqvist. Lundqvist's ego is not going to allow him to not at least compete for the number one job. Whether they whether Laviolette does that or not, I don't expect he will. I think he's going to be smarter than that, and he's going to try to work them in tandem. Because uh, he's going to he, want Samsonov out there. Yep. It's just becoming more and more of a trend. They're seeing what it can do. I mean, not having not having that one workhorse that takes up 65 to 70 games a season, saving that goalie for the playoffs. It saved Rask and made him, I mean, and, they go all the way to the final. <laughs> and with the... Um and with the likelihood that Montreal done it, done it, they bring in Jake Allen. With he the likelihood of the season being compressed due to you have to go with you're going to have to rely more on your backup. Yes, you're going to have to. There's no other way about it. it. You can't sit there and expect your goalie to play. Three. Uh, if you're running three games a week, four games a week, your backup's got to play at least one, if not two of them, depending on the week. It, 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 there's just no other way around it. You're going to wear out your number one in the first six weeks of the season. I, I, where else are you going to go with it? I mean, you have to. And I'm looking at teams like, like I said, Montreal just brought in, they just made a deal for Jake Allen. Yep. Which is is kind of surprising. He's going to absorb games. He's going to absorb games. They didn't have anybody that truly was a backup in Montreal. I mean. Uh, What Caden Primo is uh, still in the system there, but he's not yet NHL ready. Yeah, I was going to say he's not quite ready for prime time. He needs a little bit more seasoning, and they recognize that. He came in and played two games last season, and in his first game, he actually played rather well, lost in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. His second game, I believe he won, and he was he he was pretty damn good. But I don't know that he's ready. I don't know if he's had that seasoning for a full 82-game tilt yet because he was fresh out of uh, – Northeastern. Yes. And the 30, you know, 38, 40 ish games that a college hockey play player plays are nothing compared to the 82 game season. It's just completely different mentally and physically, even in a normal season. So bringing in a Jake Allen, who's unfortunately not, I mean, He's just not a number one. I never thought he was. St. Louis seems to have this issue with goaltenders they think are number one. Brian Elliott, who's now in in Philly. Jake Allen, who's now in Montreal. They still have uh, Bennington. I don't even think Bennington's a true number one. I mean, they've all got talent, and they can all certainly play that 30 to 40 games. They can be the number one for short stints, like a week or two. Yeah. They're at best one B's. Yeah. And that's really all you and, can say and, about them. And that's what Montreal is going to expect out of Montreal had a pretty good week, week and a half. They did okay in the draft. They brought in, they brought in Josh Anderson. Hello. Claude Julian's going to love him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I had a discussion on Twitter uh, where someone referred to him as the most overrated player in the league, which was honestly the laugh I needed uh, that day. Um, I did reply to it. You can find it. Uh, Jimmy VC. Um, not actually Jimmy VC. He did not get mentioned. Uh, someone, oh, okay. he, someone he used to play with. Um, and then a guy you talked about earlier in the earlier in the show. But uh, what else do we have to cover this week? I just wanted to. I mean, it's pretty much just free agency and draft. There's nothing else going on. There's been no firings. Uh, amazingly so. Sweeney still has a job. Ooh, did I yeah. say that out loud? I mean, Steven Stamkos did have surgery this week. He's expected to be back for uh, the projected January 1st start. This is his uh, second core, his second abdominal core surgery, though. Yep. And ouch. And Sagan, apparently, they and the Dallas Stars did release their injury list. Apparently, they had quite the number of injuries. Um, but Sagan oh, is actually having torn labrums. He's having surgery on his hip with torn labrum. That, I expect- mean, the injuries there were apparent from the second round. Like, I, I don't I still don't know how Dallas got through um, how Dallas got through the conference finals because they didn't look good there uh i don't know how i I was gonna say i don't know i think they used up all of their energy beating vegas to get to the stanley cup final because i didn't expect vegas to lose to dallas and i just thought that the the all-around game of vegas and the way they were playing the numbers they were putting up the way Robin Leonard was playing in net, that team just looked poised to to walk into the final. I think Dallas used every bit of everything. They gave 185% in that semi to get to the final and just didn't have it when they came up against Tampa Bay. Hudobin did all he could in net and then some. Mm-hmm. I mean, that toe save on Braden Point was wow. <laughs> not not that I expect Hudobin to go into the Hall of Fame, but that's exactly the that's exactly a video a clip that would appear in the first thirty seconds at his spot. They just I just they just didn't have it, and clearly, like you said, the injuries themselves and they finally took root and showed up. And I guess my last question to you then is. Who's your big winner? Or I guess the consensus we're going to have is the same. So is there another team you see as a big winner besides the obvious? In the draft, in free agency, or in the total movement? I'm just thinking the whole week between the draft and free agency up to this point. Um, in a roundabout and backwards way, I have to put... Montreal and Toronto as winners simply because Boston screwed up so much. Boston went from, they finished the season, they finished the regular season as the president's trophy winners, and they had a comfortable lead on everybody without Tory Krug, without adding significant offense. They are taking several significant steps back and 
I'm not going to say that they're going to at best be a wild card team because that would be ridiculous. But staying a uh, staying the fact I don't expect them to win the division, and that only helps those two teams. Tampa Bay probably capable of catching them either way, but I think that Montreal, who had a solid draft and picked up uh, a right player, um, and who will have their head coach back healthy and uh, behind the bench with the players having dug in and gotten some playoff experience. Um, I think that that's huge for them. Uh, Toronto still needs to make adjustments, but they're good enough to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, if you genuinely with, without exaggeration, I think that Toronto in a seven game series beats the Bruins as currently configured. They actually signed a decent defenseman in TJ Brody. They got him away from Calgary. Colorado? Oh, Colorado. Okay. No, TJ Brody. Yeah, Brody, no, right. Tyson Barry is the one from Colorado, and I wouldn't trust him in the defensive zone because I'd probably have to give him a map, a flashlight, and tie a rope to him so I could take him there. Yeah. But TJ Brody, decent defenseman. I'm surprised that they actually went after a defenseman. I'm not saying I'm surprised. Well, I'm amazed that they went after a defensive, a defensively solid defenseman. (laughs) I mean, that makes two on the team for the first time in forever. Oh, along with Jake Muzzin. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's scary. (laughs) That's scary. They could actually Fred Anderson's actually going. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, the obvious team that I say won this week, if you don't agree that it's Ottawa, have you been watching? Oh, Ottawa no, Ottawa drafts, did good things. Ottawa did many good things, with the exception of not resigning Anthony DeClaire. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I like DeClaire. And you've liked him longer than I have. But See, that you, is, that's a player who could be an interesting low-cost low signing in the right place and produce – if you get him the right coach and the right players, I wouldn't necessarily be as, as well. As, I, I'm in no way opposed to the Bruins signing him. I'm not either. I just don't know if Cassidy's the right coach. There is that. Um, I just he, I I don't trust Bruins. <sighs> you don't trust the Bruins organization right now. Yeah. And that mm. is why Matt Grizzlick, who has literally done nothing wrong. Um, and many, 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 many things right as a defenseman in, in their system is somehow has somehow filed for arbitration. Hmm. Well, they still haven't. Have they made? I mean, I don't even know if they made him an offer. I believe I, they had to have made him a qualifying offer. But uh, the fact that he just no. I'm just. Your, just yeah. Stop. Stop. As far as as far as Ottawa doing the right things, just to close that out, they draft the German Tim Stutzla, uh, yep. gonna play. Then two dra- two picks later, they draft Jake Sanderson, U.S. development team, going to North Dakota. Yes, love that pick. Uh, definitely believed he should have been picked ahead of uh, the other one, and I can't think of his name, Drysdale, 
who went to Anaheim. Don't get me wrong, Anaheim, good pick for them after losing Shea Theodore. But then Ottawa again, first round, they get Ridley Gregg, nice, scrappy, knows how to put the puck in the net kid at the bottom of the first round. Then they go and get in the second round, they get Tyler Clevin, another defenseman who played, who was the line mate of Jake Sanderson on the development team, also going to North Dakota. Yep. Clevin allowed Sanderson to be Sanderson. And they got both of them. Oh, my goodness. They bring in. Now, I'm not sure this is the best thing. But they bring in Matt Murray. He's definitely a goaltender. When healthy. (laughs) Can be a decent goaltender. (laughs) Do they still have Craig Anderson? He might actually let Craig Anderson have a night off. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but their defense, they got Thomas Shabbat. They got, they lost Borowski to Nashville. We talked about that earlier. I just, they've done the right things. I don't know if they tied up, they they, they tied up Melnick and stuck him in a closet or something, allowed Pierre Dorian to actually do his job for a change. Maybe they told him, maybe they told him that uh, everyone in the organization had COVID and he could catch it over the phone uh, if he texted or emailed them. But my and and I guess my other winner, since they're the obvious choice, my other winner is Detroit. Uh, Shocking. I know I like Detroit. Yes, but this is nothing to do with bias. This has to do with uh-huh. you, bring in, you bring in Bobby Ryan on a one-year, uh-huh. one million dollar contract. You get Troy Stetcher. Still there at second. Me. You get Troy Stetcher from Vancouver. I wanted Troy Stetcher in a Boston uniform. Was willing to give up John Moore for him. Oh wait, that's not fair. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm willing to give up John Moore for many three things. inches of stick tape. There you go. Uh, but Troy Stetcher, good-looking young defenseman from Vancouver, now with the Red Wings. They bring in a couple of uh, a couple of veterans to because they need players on the ice. Yeah, you go and get Mark Stahl out of out of the Rangers system. You bring in John Merrill from the Vegas systems. He's got, for what it's worth, he's got playoff experience. Uh, Stanley Cup experience might be, dis- might be good in the locker room. Going to shore up some D bring in some of the young kids that they drafted. They drafted William Wallander first pick in the second round. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got Lucas Raymond at number four, very good looking forward. Uh, I, They've done a lot of things, and I don't know what it is about Steve Eiserman and that that silver line tongue that he has to convince all these people to come play for him, even though his team is not is still in that rebuilding mode. They're a good three to five years away. I'd say three years away from sniffing the playoffs, five years away from making a dent. But he's on his way, and he he has the pedigree because most of that Tampa Bay team that won that Stanley Cup is owed to Steve Eisenman, not not Julian Brisebois. Brisebois has done great, brought in a couple of guys, key pieces here and there, brings in Blake Coleman, brings in Barkley Goudreau, uh, signs Zach Bogosian for, for short money. 
but most of that team, the bulk of that team, is still Eisenman's signature. So you have to give the guy his due. I, I'm not saying anything against him. Did you hear me say anything against him? I didn't say anything against him. No, you um, just love to pick on the fact that I, I say they're a winner because – or I, mean, I say they, they're one of the top winners. And they bring in Thomas Grice. They got well, themselves a decent number one goaltender now. Bernier can go back to being – A number four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we wrap, uh, the fourth period has a great uh, post – up that they've been updating uh, with the major signings for the top, uh, I believe they call it a top 30 UFA list. Uh, it's worth checking out uh, over at the fourth period. Um, and of course, uh, Spectres Hockey always has a good roundup of a bunch of different topics. Uh, what else is going on that we want to talk about in the last couple of minutes? Uh, I have brought up everything that I wish to bring up for this. Uh, that's fair. I mean, Lundquist, we saw that one. Uh, we talked about that before it happened. Um, so not necessarily a huge surprise. I guess, I guess you could, I guess you could wax poetic on the goalie carousel. Like I said, Matt Murray to Ottawa, you got Lundquist to Washington. Yep. The, I mean, we haven't mentioned Corey Crawford yet. Corey Crawford. Uh, oh God. Has gone See to that New whole Jersey. situation in that whole situation in, <laughs> I, and I tweeted about this this week, and I was I had meant to bring it up earlier in the show. That whole thing convinces me that no one in Chicago knows what the bleepity bleepity bleep they're doing. Stan Bowman and Don Sweeney need to both be on 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 some sort of unemployment line. Yes, because let's Stan let's, Bowman's. His number one goaltender right now is Malcolm Subban. They okay this season they had Robin Leonard. He was playing really really well for them. Uh huh. They didn't. They traded him for basically four inches of stick tape. Um. Uh huh. Malcolm Subban. They had Malcolm Subban and Delia. Neither one of those guys is ready to lead an NHL team. Unless your goal is to tank like crazy uh-huh you need Is to it? sign someone useful trade for someone useful no nope. yesterday nope um who's the still, brandon I mean, sod trade lewis doming got a contract from calgary lewis doming maybe they trade for mark andre flurry while he's still having oh that's right flurry's still kind of Maybe, maybe, maybe the Boston Bruins managed to unload Tuka Rask. I don't know that Tuka's going anywhere. I think Sweeney's won. Uh, I don't know if I believe the fact that he asked for his for his list. Tuka says he doesn't want to play anywhere but here. Sweeney yeah, but doesn't, doesn't sound appear like he to actually, actually want to play here either. Well. We, yeah. said that, we said that he's been checked out for over a year, not yes. just the bubble, but he's shown signs of being checked out for over a year. Uh, you go back to the start of what was it? Two seasons ago. And he was like, yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, this is, I've only got like one year left on my contract. Well, I don't know what's going to happen then if I'm even going to be playing. 
hope. I mean, you punt someone the heck out of town as soon as that happens. When someone checks out in their head, their body checks out real, real, real quick. But Chicago, Chicago has left themselves with nowhere to go. Holtby gone to Vancouver. Markstrom gone to Calgary. Cam Talbot got a deal in Minnesota. Yep. Crawford's in New Jersey. Hudobin resigns with Dallas. Lundquist is in Washington. Grice is in Detroit. Chicago is screwed. Yes, that's exactly the word. Um, and what fact, is you could Stan probably Bowman come up thinking? with something. You could probably come up with something more pungent without trying all that hard. I mean, they they did trade Brandon Sod and. Ooh, but I don't I don't even know the deal because it was it seemed that insignificant. It it, it just wasn't useful. <laughs> The goalie carousel has spun round and round in Chicago. When the music stopped, Chicago forgot to sit down. That's all I can think. You let Leonard go. You traded him in season. You traded him in season for Malcolm Subin. And and I don't even know. I think there was a player or a draft pick or something. I don't know. Okay. Leonard's gone. These are the... Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's Ryan Miller available. I mean, he's clearly the future of any organization. I don't think, even Ryan Miller, I think, would admit he's not the future of any organization. I mean, he's backing up John Gibson in Anaheim. How about Aaron Dell? That's what it's going to come down to. It's going to be Aaron Dell because what, San Jose brought in Dubnik. But Craig Anderson isn't signed. Maybe they can sign Craig Anderson. I wouldn't torture Craig Anderson that badly. If Chicago's willing to do it, then they should be arrested for some sort of crime. I don't know if he can if he can get to if he can get fifty two games in next season, uh, he'd hit the seven hundred goal uh, seven hundred game uh, mark. Okay, and name me name me more than two defensemen playing in front of him if he goes to Chicago. Um, well, Connor Murphy is still there. Um, Keith is still there. You got cap friendly pulled up. That's cheating. No, I, I know, <laughs> I know those two off the top of my head. Um, Seabrook is theoretically going to be back. I think theoretically. Um, but, uh, beyond that, yeah, it gets a little tiny bit harder. Shalmerson's still there. No, no, no. Yalmerson hasn't been there in years. Uh, oh, he's in Arizona. Sorry. Uh, uh Calvin DeHaan. Connor Murphy, Nikita Zadorov, he was part of the sod trade. Oh, Zadorov, um, yes, he came over from uh, Colorado. That's right. Adam Boquist, and then Nick Sealer. Mm. Again, I don't really want to torture Craig Anderson. He's dealing with enough. I think that the rest he's going to get in, in, in Ottawa if they resign him. I think he deserves it. <laughs> I just, they've left themselves utterly exposed in net. Unless you love Malcolm Subban. And I have to say, that's one of the tricks that we pulled off predicting. I know that I predicted anyway, that because I kept saying to you, we were on the phone that night 
And I kept saying to you, what if they draft Malcolm Subban at 24? They're going to take Malcolm Subban. They're going to take Subban. We actually talked about that for like weeks ahead of the draft. And it wasn't yes. just draft night. We were talking about that weeks ahead true. of the draft. Um, this is I, I honestly wasn't sure it would happen, but I thought it was hilarious when it did. Yeah. I mean, we had been also talking at that particular point in time of how much P.K. Subban should have been wearing a Bruins uniform. That's why I thought it was funny that he was gonna that we were gonna draft his brother. I, and that being said, yeah, I think now I've expended all my energy. But the goaltending carousel spun. Chicago lost, and Stan Bowman. Somebody needs to stop and check him for a, a signs of life or something because he he just hasn't done anything. That they did resign Kubali, Kubalik. Which they weren't expected to. So, <sighs> plot it's there, but that's about it. Ooh. Well, I, I will clap for with the, one hand for that accomplishment. Okay, I mean contender for the contender for the the Calder Trophy. So, I mean, if he can do it again in his sophomore season, he'll look pretty good. But it's not going to matter if you don't have any goaltenders. <laughs> and Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban, not going to get it done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that is just about everything. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. As always, share the show. Uh, you know where to find us. And we will be back next week. Uh, hit us up on Twitter uh, with anything you want us to talk about. Uh, as the off season progresses, uh, take care.